Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. nine-page sermon that I worked a few hours on. And then this morning, the Lord woke me up at five o'clock, said, come away with me. And I just went and sat with him and he said, do you really want to preach that sermon? I said, well, do you want me to? He said, it's great, Julie. It's a great sermon. It's re- very well set out. You've, you've, you know, you've worked hard on that. But what I want to say to my people hasn't got words. It hasn't got structure. It hasn't got three points. It, what I want to say to my people is, 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 is going to come from the depths of the breath of God upon them tonight. Would you be obedient to just step into that place of me? I said, yes, Lord. Of course I will. He said, well, before I breathe on them, I've got to breathe on you. I said, okay. <laughs> so five o'clock this morning, like I'm just laid out in my lounge room. You know, just the love of God, just... baptizing me in this love like and I've known the love of God you guys know that I know the love of God but I don't know the love of God since this morning the way I know it now how many of you know that the world is in a, in a is an unusual place and what what do we what is the answer? You know, we, we always talk about in strategy and war, there's always a counterattack, isn't there? And the enemy is obviously, you know, worldwide threatening ISIS here and ISIS there and ISIS, ISIS everywhere. And, and everybody's holding their breath. And where is it going to happen next? Oh, my goodness. You know, it could be next door, you know. And, and the threats are going across Facebook. You know, it could be in Australia and it could be here and it could be there and it could be in your neighbourhood, it could be in your school, it could be in your church. And, it, and, and, the, and the cause of that, the whole purpose of that is to instill fear and rob faith and to instill domination. Because if you know anything about the Muslim or the Islamic religion, whether it's radical or non-radical, it's the same thing, that they actually removed the word love out of the Quran. They actually removed the word love. And you can look at a Quran, you won't find that word anywhere in the Quran. And what they've done is they replaced that word love with submission because they feel that love didn't work And so the prophet Muhammad comes along and said, love doesn't work. The love that Jesus brought to the earth, the love that the prophet Jesus, they call him the prophet, brought to the earth didn't work. 
And so we need to supersede what Jesus has done. And we need to change that, take that love thing out, out. And we need to just bring submission. Because if everyone is in submission, we can put things in order and we can get this world sorted. Well, how many of you know that doesn't work? Wives, submit to your husbands. Oh, yeah, well, we know that's in the Bible, but that submission comes out of what? Out of love. Submit to one another. We know that's in the Bible. But out of reverence for Christ, out of love. We know that discipline is in the Bible. It says, you know that a father disciplines the son that he loves. So what's the counterattack that God would bring upon the earth to oppose hatred and to oppose fear? It would have to be a baptism of love like we have never known before across the earth and a baptism of love that would lead to faith. And I want to tell you this, there is no force greater than love because evil must submit to love. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. But do you think they're going to bow their knees down out of, you know, regimental submission or is it because they're going to see the one that they have crucified, that he's going to reveal himself in all his glory and knees are just going to fall and tears are going to flow and hearts are going to break open and they'll rip their clothes when they realize that he is the one, he was always the one. And our job on this earth, our job on this earth is to be so baptised in that love, so baptised in that love that it becomes not just a nice feeling or a gooey feeling or something we talk about because, oh, we love each other, don't we? It's not that. It's this love that is so supernatural that it breaks down walls, that it crosses over dividing lines, that it strips people of their mindsets, that it, that it, that it brings people to their knees, that it, that, it, that it permeates every ounce of sin in every human being and finds the rawness of a human heart. That it, that it dusts the shoes, it dusts the feet of the weary traveller and shows them the way home. The way home. Every human being is destined to go home to their father. He says that it is his will that none would perish. Not one would perish. Not one would perish. Not one would perish. 
but they would all come to Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. That is His plan. And he wants, to, he wants us to go out onto those dusty roads where the weary travellers are walking and, and travelling and so much baggage and pain and, and confusion and chaos and fear and, 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 and just trapped in their lives. And he wants us to go and he wants us to go and wash their feet of the dust and point them towards home. I know that we're speaking about the born identity and right now we're on the subject of what we have and those of you who are doing the connect groups and you know studying the book would know that we're talking about the things that we have in Christ we have authority in Christ we have power in Christ we have gifts in Jesus Christ. We have all these things that we can give to the world, but if they don't come from love, let's have a look what the Scriptures say. And you all know this Scripture, but let's just read it anyway. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Love never fails. Love never fails. You know, I mean, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you would have seen how Pentecostals have gotten excited about the gifts of the Spirit and about the laying on of hands and prophecy and gifts and those things. And I think God has been growing us up. He's been growing us up in learning, like with these were toys we could play with. They were like, you know, you know, I mean, I've been in meetings where, you know, everyone's lined up and I can just go, boof, 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 boof. Everybody falls to the ground and just go, wow, that was power, you know. And we play with these toys and we, and we say, God, this is amazing. And we see and we pray for someone and they get healed and it's amazing. And we do these things. But you know what? Sometimes those things can just be things. And I've seen great people of, you know, of God even, you know, stand on pulpits and do these signs and wonders, but they have not love. You know, the bottom line is, Jesus said this. He said, 
you know, there'll come a day when they will come to me and they say, Lord, Lord, you know, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. We cast out demons. We prayed for the sick. We did that. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. He actually says, depart from me, you doers of iniquity. I never knew you. And that word knew right there, that word knew, I never knew you, is the same word in Genesis that describes Adam knew Eve. And Adam knew Eve. Adam was physically, spiritually and emotionally transparent with Eve. Jesus says, depart from me. You did all these things. You did all the tricks. You know, you knew how to wow the crowd. But depart from me because you weren't intimately, physically, spiritually, emotionally transparent with me. I was watching this morning as we were sitting in the service and you know how the little kids go to the toilet and back and and so Mila, every time she comes out, it's Candice and Luke's little girl, every time she comes out to go to the toilet, and she does come out quite a bit, so I think that she, you know, whoever does kids' church, you need to watch that because she just does it because she wants to wave at her mum. I know that. She writes, oh, I need to go to the toilet, I need to go to the toilet. No, I just want to wave at my mum. And so she gets to about here and she frantically waves at Candace like, Mummy! Like, Mummy! And the face is all lit up and, you know, and, and Candace is like, she's so cute. It's so adorable. I can't help it. She's just so beautiful. And I was thinking about that. I mean, I was thinking about how God longs for us to just, you know, even say, oh, I need to go to the toilet because I just want to go see my dad. <laughs> I just want to wave at him. I just want to see him for a minute, you know. You know, like I've been away from him for five minutes and it's killing me. I just need to see my dad, you know. And then when Joey, uh, when Paris, my little granddaughter, this morning was leaving church, you know, she just like, she just wrapped her arms around my neck and she wrapped her legs around my body. It was like I could have let go and she would have stayed there. She's just so tight and put her head right in my neck. And she's just, you know, trying to give me a message like, I'm going home with you, Nan. And it's like, I said, okay, you've got to go with mummy. No, no, mummy. Got to go with daddy now. No, daddy. <laughs> and she goes, Nana. And she just pats my shoulder like this. We're all good, aren't we, Nan? We're all good. We're all good, Nan. And, and I had to just like rip her off me. Like, Ugh! and Julie's trying to rip her off me. And she's going, no, I need Nana. Life. And I was thinking about that, you know, it's like, you know, my heart broke. I just like, okay, I'll take her home. I can work it out. I've got to preach tonight, but I'm sure I can put her down for a sleep and I'll work it out. You know, I was trying to work it out in my head just so I could have it for five more minutes because it was like, it's, there's something about when someone loves you so much that they, they just want to be with you, that, that it draws you, you know, it draws you into that love. It, it's like compelling. It's like, you know, and, and, to defeat this evil in this world, we need to become like children that just want to wave at him and, and just want to, you know, okay, God, I've got you. We're all good, aren't we? You know, I'm not leaving you. You know, take me home, God. Like, I just want to be with you. I want, I want you to look at me and, 
and, and delight in me. And many of us think that God would never look at us the way that we look at, you know, a little child or our own children or our, our own grandchildren or even children, like everybody when, you know, the kids go to the loo and come back. The whole church just goes, oh, this is cute. So cute. And it's like, you know, back. And it was like, and then they come again. Oh, this is so cute. But that's how God is with us. I mean, all we have to do is walk past. And he's just like, oh, so cute. <laughs> so cute. Could you imagine that God actually watches you while you're sleeping? Because the Bible says, I do not sleep nor slumber. I am the Lord God. I do not sleep or slumber. So what's he doing all night? <laughs> <laughs> He's just looking at you. He's just like singing over you. He's speaking over you. He's hanging out with you. He's sitting on the end of your bed just going, are you going to wake up soon? Like, you know, when my kids were little, every one of my kids under the age of three had an encounter with Jesus. And I believe that every child has an encounter with Jesus. And that's how we kind of know that he's real, even you know, before we're saved, you kind of get it. Because I believe he visits every child before they have that memory. Do you know what I mean? And the only reason I know is because he visited all my kids and they were spiritual enough to tell me about it. And I mean, and, and the times like, you know, Jessie came to me, she was about three. You know, mommy, mommy, Jesus came into my room last night and he walked right through that wall. He just walked right through the wall. And he came to me and he, and, he, and, he, and he said, do you want to go where I live? Do you want to go and have a look? And I'm going, ooh, that's a bit weird. <laughs> like, no, stay here. You know, and he took her by the hand and she said, we went back through the wall and we went up through the clouds and then we went to this beautiful place, mummy. And she said, and then he said to me, is there anything you want, anything at all? And she had a Band-Aid on her finger at that time and she lifted up her little finger to him and he said, I was sore finger, Jesus. And, and he, she said, he put his hand on my finger and he kissed it and he made it all better. And then he said, well, I better take you back to mummy now. She'll miss you if you're not there. And we came back through the clouds, back through the wall. And he put me into bed and he kissed me. He said he will always be with me. Three years old. So amazing. Jamie came out. She was about the same age when it was her turn. And she goes... They were ministering to him. They were all ministering to him. They were all ministering. How did she know the word ministering? She only learned, started talking at two and a half and she's three. But she's saying ministering to him. And I'm going, did you know that word? I said, who's ministering to him? She said, the angels, the angels. Jesus came down into my room and they carried him down and they were all ministering to Jesus. They were all ministering. They love him so much. They love him so much. And then he sat on my bed, mummy, and he just talked to me for a while. And then he kissed me on my head. And then he went and the angels were ministering to him all the way up. It's, it's profound. Gemma, she's like, well, I saw where I'm going to live last night. I said, really? She said, yeah, I saw my house in heaven. It's beautiful, mum. And guess what? I've got my own pool. And she said, and I don't need a boogie board. I said, why? She said, because I've got my own dolphin to ride. 
because she loved dolphins. <laughs> and she'd been up there riding a dolphin. You know, it's God is so profound. He's so amazing. And that's how he wants to visit us. That's how he wants to meet with you and me. He, you know, he wants to be in the midst of you. He wants to baptize us with this love. Let me look where I'm at. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I've got written here some words of a song. Uncontrolled, unrestrained. Your love is a fire burning bright for me. Not just a spark, not just a flame. Your love is a flame that all the world will see. You know that the world needs to see a fire burning in us. Like, they need to see it, but we need it. I mean, right now, the world is hurting. It's in pain, but you're in pain too. Like, we've never seen things like we're seeing now. There's never been grief. There's never been a time where it's just so in our faces. Every day, another tragedy, another story, another picture on Facebook that you just go, oh, I don't want to see that. I wish I didn't see that. You know, we're in pain and the world is in pain. And it says in Romans 8, 22 to 23, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. There's a groan inside of here and that groan inside of you can either turn to frustration, to depression, to you know anger, to sin, or that groan inside of you can turn towards God as the Holy Spirit groans through you as words that words cannot express. As the Holy Spirit groans through you, you release the groan unto heaven. You release the pain that you're carrying for this world. All of you, all of you right now are identifying with that. You know when I say you're in pain right now? Oh yeah, I am in pain. I didn't know what that was. You know, I just thought I just felt, you know, you know, I don't know what that was. I knew it, but I wasn't identifying it. But the pain you're feeling right now is the pain of the Father's heart, the pain of the Father's heart for a, for a world that's gone mad. And in the remedy that He has for this world gone mad is the love that He wants to pour out on you. He wants you to release that groan, that groan inside of you that not just hurts for the world, but hurts for you. That groan inside of you says, I miss you, Daddy. I can't wait to be home with you. It's going to be amazing. If you knew what is in store for you, when we finish here, when we've done what we've called to do here, if you just knew what, if you could get a glimpse right now of eternity, of heaven, you would never be complacent about your life here, this short span that you have, this time that you have to love Him here because eternally you're going to be loving Him there and you need to be loving Him in the same way now as you're going to love Him then. It's just... 
He's groaning for you. You're groaning for Him. It's an inward groan. It's a, it's a pain of separation. It's the, the pain of wanting to be reconnected to my dad. I need, I need my dad. I need my dad. I need him so badly. And then when we get baptized in that, something happens when we walk into a place or a situation. Something happens when we use our gifts then. When they're baptized and dripping with love, not submission and rules. And do you understand when they're dripping with love, you know, you walk into a place and atmospheres change. I mean, the other day I was just like having a a kids' church meeting, weren't we, Nath and Mary and the guys? We were just having a kids' church and we decided to go to the coffee club to have our kids' church meeting. And you know, I was meeting with the guys and we're all talking, talking, talking. And then I said, look, I'll leave it up to you guys. Me and Pastor Phil are going to pay the bill. I'm going to go pay the bill. And I went down to pay the bill. And the, little, the girl that had been serving us, you know, you just, I wasn't even going to thinking about it. I wasn't even looking at it going, I wonder what God's saying to her. Like, or I, was, I was just thinking, I'm going to pay this bill, go home. Like, I want to go home, see my husband. And it had been a big day and I was tired, you know. But she just comes into my atmosphere. Why? Because I've been with him. I, I'd been with I'd been with Jesus. You know, even even to the extent that it's not enough yet. It's still not enough because the growing inside of me still wants more. It's st- I still want more God, and I feel like I'm so frustrated because I just want to get more of God, and it's not enough yet. It's never enough. But I walk into that place and. You know, and I'm just paying the bill and we start, you know, a little conversation. And I said to her, you know, I see leadership on your life. She said, oh, it's funny you should say that. You know, I, I do boss people around a little bit in here. I'm not really the manager. She is. But, you know, it's good. We work together well. I said, oh, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. I said, you know, you've got to have that kind of strategy. Like I was just meeting with my team upstairs and... And, you know, I was talking to them. They're, they're my kids' church team. And I was talking to them about that, about leadership and so forth. And she just goes, so what do you do? And I said, oh, look, I'm a pastor. She said, oh, oh, my goodness. This is so amazing. She said, up until two months ago, I never even had an interest in God. None whatsoever. No, not even an interest. My family wasn't raised that way. I have no interest. But two months ago... My boyfriend's mum said to me, do you know what? Why don't you just see if God is real? Why don't you just talk to him and see what happens? Ask him something and see if you get an answer. So she said, guess what I did? And she got really close to me. She said, don't laugh at me. She said, don't laugh at me, will you? I said, I promise I won't laugh. And she said, I actually prayed. And I don't know how to pray. I've got no idea how to pray. I just said some words. And guess what? It's happened twice now. I've got two answers. And she said, so I think I'm ready for my next part of this journey. Where is your church? You know, and I write it all down and and she's in touch with Ellie now. Ellie's going to have coffee with her and she's coming next Sunday to church. And she says, when we bump into her again, me and Phil bumped her again. Oh, I said, oh, this is my friend that I met the other day. And she says, oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to come to church. I'm really excited. I just feel like I'm going to meet God. And, you know, and, and I'm going to meet God in that place. And she said, and I talked to my, my 
boyfriend's mother and she wants to come too because she's seeking God. And then we talked to my boyfriend's sister and she's been thinking about God. So we're all coming, you know, and it's like, and only because I just, do you know what I'm saying? Because I didn't do anything. But something, you know, the Bible says that, that your eyes are the windows to your soul. And sometimes Jesus looks out the windows and waves, you know. And I think sometimes we're just talking to people and Jesus goes, hello, you know, <laughs> I'm in here, you know. And they go, whoa, you know, what is it about you? It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. God's amazing. He's just amazing. God is retuning our ears, I believe. He's retuning our ears to hear the groan within our own hearts for Him. And He's retuning our hearts to hear the groan of the world. I really believe that. Revelation says in Revelation 3, 6, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He's pressing our hearts to enlarge, to embrace the full capacity of His incredible love. Look at this. And I'm nearly, nearly closing. And Ephesians 3, 14 to 21 says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Selfless faith to live like Christ.